Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You see how social media has democratized fashion, and it's turned this machine into this beast, yeah. you know, and it's just like, can we find anything authentic or genuine that we love about this industry anymore when it's all about this amount of people being dressed or this being streamed at a certain point or the Instagram has to be curated a certain way. Everything is just very calculated. Hi, I'm Kemi Sharia. And I'm Monica Ainley. And you're listening to Fashion No Filter. Where we sit down with some of the lead creatives, strategic thinkers and emerging talent around us to interpret the ins and outs of the fashion industry today. You've got mail. Dear Kemi, or should I say, top of the morning to you, old chap. How's the weather in London? Well, summer is officially over here in Paris, but I am warmed by the memory of our long nights in Caviar Caspia, eating jacket potatoes by the fire, chased by a throat-burning shot of vodka. I can scarce believe those wild, wondrous days and long nights of PFW were not even a fortnight ago. As I sit at my typewriter, yes, I said typewriter, and reflect on yesterday's show, I cannot help but wonder what your impressions were of this Paris Fashion Week past. So, dear friend, I now put to you my most puzzling sartorial quandaries, those which have caused me to stir, nay, toss and turn these autumn nights since we last met. Now then, to begin where we have become accustomed to beginning, did you not feel a gaping hole on the first day of Paris with the absence of a show from your dear young countryman, Simon Paul Jacquemus? I admit that despite the glorious festivities he put on for us in Provence this summer, I felt a shudder of loss on remarking his absence on the official schedule. Which brings me to my next question. Given I know you normally have a soft spot for Jacquemus, which show would you say was your personal favorite? Okay, we all know you have a sharp eye for the style of the streets. I mean, you were practically wearing sans-culottes while Marie Antoinette was still sporting boat sculptures in her hair. So, what was your standout street style brand this season? Also, if all the world's a stage and fashion is art, then the canvas is of utmost importance. I think you'd agree. So, which show in Paris had the best set, do you reckon? Oh, and speaking of breathtaking beauty, which exciting new collaboration did you never know you needed and now cannot live without? And to conclude, I have to ask, did you come face to face with any excitement of a political nature on your Fashion Month quest? If so, I implore you to spill and spare no detail. You've got mail. Monica, my dear friend, have you fallen on your head? 
What's with the Victorian jargon? I know that we didn't spend enough time together this season and that you must miss me very, very much. But I wasn't expecting you to go all Dickensian on us. Mind you, a Dickens hero definitely wouldn't be served caviar atop his jacket potato. He would, however, lick his potato clean like I did mine, much to the shock of the carb-fearing fashionistas on our table at Caviar Cuspia that night. If you're searching for a tasty glimpse into what I enjoyed at the shows this season, let me satisfy your cravings. To quote our dear friend, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Best because I don't think no show will ever, ever be able to top JLo storming the Versace runway in a replica of that exotic green gown she wore to the Grammys on the 23rd of February 2000 and that created so much buzz that it inspired the creation of Google Images. Imagine that. She broke the internet before the internet could be broken. Talk about iconic. Not to mention, she arguably looks better in the new dress 20 years later. I want to have what she's having. Perhaps caviar at every meal? And I can't mention the best without giving a shout out to the collaboration we all never knew we wanted. How brilliant was Dries van Noten and Christian Lacroix's collaboration? Fashion royalty unite. No couturier and ready-to-wear designer have ever worked together before on a runway collection, to my memory, and it truly was a marvellous moment of fashion escapism, much needed in these slightly dark times. World coming to an end, etc, etc. Which brings me to, yes, it was also the worst of times. Because, though lots of conversations around sustainability were happening at the shows, the whole system of flying editors, models and guests around the world to come and sit in front of a set that has been built to last barely an hour seems a little off at a time where we should all be trying to reduce our carbon footprint, don't you think? That said, I always love when a designer and his set makes you stop to think during that moment you spend discovering their collection. For me, Balenciaga really nailed it this season with the EU blue circular catwalk which was inspired by the European Parliament. I love that architects, mechanical engineers, art collectors, private equity associates, language teachers, hotel cleaners, musicians and chefs walked alongside models. Was he trying to say that fashion knows no borders? Or was he reflecting on the corrupt nature of power itself rippling out through the world of those that have it and those that don't? I know that Demna Gosalia wasn't answering questions after the show, so I guess interpretation is up to us. And speaking of political drama, I think everybody needs to read up on what happened at the BOF 500 gala and make their own opinion. Inclusion is such a monster topic in the industry right now. And I think that the BOF 5, well, 499 scandal really got people thinking. Anyway, Monica, enough of my rambling and over to you. What was everyone wearing? What were your best bits? A presentation that stood out? An outfit we all need to copy. Since we divided and conquered, do paint me a picture of what I missed. Oh, and we need to talk about that model that crashed the Chanel runway show. I've looked her up. She's in fact a comedian and was doing it to promote her sh her new stand-up comedy show. I have to say, she did accuse the industry of having zero sense of humour and Gigi Hadid of being, um, well, something too rude for me to repeat. And I have to say, I don't actually think that what she did was that funny. Anyway, over to you, your pen pal, Cam. You've got mail. Well, 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 what a time to be alive. 
In answer to your question, Camille, my storytelling style does seem to have taken a somewhat Victorian turn. I blame a penchant for proper penmanship, potential nostalgia notwithstanding. Anyway, I have stayed awake by candlelight to answer your burning questions. Everyone was indeed wearing new Bottega, which I am the first to praise. Yet I was struck by a certain post by friend of the pod, Scott Schumann, a.k.a. the Sartorialist. One of the reigning kings of street style, but more on that later. So during Paris Fashion Week, Scott posted a photo of French Vogue's fashion editor at large, Géraldine Saglio, looking terribly nonchalant and chic between shows in simple jeans, a sweater, and a blazer. Then he posted a story of a photo from several years ago of Géraldine alongside her editor-in-chief, Emmanuel Alt, showing their natural, laid-back, but uber-tasteful Parisian style, which had barely changed over the many years he'd been photographing them. It reminded me of how much there is to be said for staying true to one's personal style over the years, as these French voguettes are so known for doing. Of course, you can nod to the trends. That's great. Do it all you want. But having the confidence to wear your neutral wardrobe essentials to the shows is, I feel, a sign of true style and not to mention a more sustainable choice. That being said, I did see some brilliant new pieces I felt could easily be taken to the street where I expected to see them, i.e. at Chloe and Isabel Moran, but also where in the past two seasons now, I have to say I've been more surprised, a.k.a. The New Celine by Hedy Slimen, where after a controversial first collection and last season's total 180, Slimane now seems to have wholeheartedly embraced the wearable, timeless, French bourgeois classics that Celine was originally known for, as in pieces you will want to wear for years to come. As in, the incredibly chic 70s loafers my husband's grandfather pulled out of his closet the other day saying, I hear you like Celine, Monica. Horse-bit decorated bags, tweed skirts, culottes with tall boots, double denim, long messy chic hair. What's not to love, kids? <laughs> anyway, where were we? Ah, yes. My favorite presentation was without a doubt Delfina Delatrez's Time Machine. It was this mysterious mechanical installation made up of gadgets and gizmos circling around Delatrez's breathtaking fine jewelry. Delatrez described the machine as a whirlwind of oscillations where the 2D becomes a 3D and jewels spin around into the fourth dimension. Though I would add that there was a distinct Harry Potter mood to the contraption, particularly the Quidditch-like fluttering feathers attached to the golden snitch-like diamond earrings. It was mesmerizing. Of course, created by genius producer Alexandre Betak and his team. I will try and recreate for you the sensory experience that was this past Paris Fashion Week to conclude. I love Paris in the autumn, it must be said, even when it starts to get rainy, which it did this time. It smelled like wet fall leaves in the Luxembourg, in the Tuileries, crisp fresh air, roasted chestnuts. And it sounded like sirens and screaming street-style photographers jostling for attention of showgoers who were dressed to the nines, which leads me to today's guest. Tommy Ton is not a screamer or a jostler. He is a delightfully shy and soft-spoken Canadian, okay, call me biased, whose work I have admired for years, and I know Cammy has too. Tommy began his career as a photographer with his blog, Jack and Jill, before going on to get his break as a key Style.com Fashion Week contributor. Today, Tommy Ton's career has taken a new turn. He became creative director of Devo New York early last year, 
bringing his encyclopedic knowledge of what's being worn in the streets to create new unique ties between runway and customer with DeVoe's recontextualized modern classics that I personally cannot get enough of. Ladies and gentlemen, en direct from Paris Fashion Week, we give you Tommy Ton. Tommy Ton. Tommy Ton. Bonjour. You're back with us. <laughs> Thank you so much. Tommy Ton in Paris, we meet again. <laughs> We've come and found you in your beautiful apartment where you're showing your new collection because you are now a women's wear designer on top of being a street and stuff photographer. And men's wear too. And men's as well. Men's it's wear. a long way from the mean streets, isn't it? Yes. Where we used to meet. I'm still out there. You are out there. Yeah, yeah. So we interviewed you two years ago, back when street style was booming. And back then, being lensed by you was truly the holy grail for fashion yeah. attendees. I yeah. think girls, women, influencers, journalists would all hang around at the end of shows hoping to be taken. I feel like I was first aware of you in the days of the old style.com, rest in peace. I know, it's so sad. RIP. Yeah, 10 years ago actually, this month. Wow. It was when I started, yeah. And you started, was that your first street style job? Uh, Contributor job? Yes, I mean I was um, shooting like freelance for magazines, but it was that job in particular that really catapulted into the industry. For those who are too young to know, the old style.com was a brilliant magazine that merged with Vogue US to become what is now Vogue Runway. And now, how things have reversed. <laughs> yeah. Do you look out for girls wearing your clothes on the street? I, <laughs> I don't seek it out, but then I've seen some girls wearing it and it's, it's, it's such a thrill. But at the same time, I question, am I a loser for photographing people wearing my own clothes? No. no. <laughs> What's it? Proud. Yeah, what is it like to see someone running around in, in, well, in a duvet <laughs> ensemble? It makes, it just, it just validates the work and the time. And it also showcases that it does work in an everyday setting, which is what I would hope. So, that, so what made you want to launch a woman's wear label? Was that, and, and men's wear, yeah. ready to wear, I should say. Was that the plan all along? Or did that just Well, I, I always had a fantasy as a teenager that I'd become a designer at one point, but then when I actually put in the time to intern for a designer when I was 16, I was like, this is hard. <laughs> so I kind of put that on the back burner for quite some time. And um, I didn't start the brand, actually. It was actually started by my partners, Matthew Breen and Andrea Sow. Uh, so it was originally a menswear brand initially but they had aspirations after a year and a half of doing women's wear. So I kind of voluntarily offered myself as their creative director, because I thought, why not? Great. And how would you describe the aesthetic of the brand? <laughs> uh, I don't want to say minimalist, but it's just like an everyday investment wardrobe. Um, it's refined and elegant, versatile. Well, we call it life-proof. I actually like to call the clothes life-proof, because you want to be able to travel in it, you want to be able to go to daycare, run to a meeting, go have cocktails, et cetera, et cetera, right? And how has photographing fashion's best dressed women helped you streamline your own collections? Who are some of your favorite women yeah. <laughs> on the oh. street? No pressure. <laughs> it, it's not like we'll be upset if you don't say us. Well, I will say 
you guys. <laughs> well, no, I mean, everyone, you know, I actually do think of certain women when we work on, you know, the pieces for the collection. Does this make sense for Kemi? Does this make sense for Monica? Or does this make sense for Julia? Just because these are the women I've been watching for so long. Yeah. So it's just been the greatest demographic research, being able to watch you guys in terms of what makes sense to you and what you want to wear. Because I think there's so many other designers out there that do are, are actually well-skilled and talented. And I'm not saying that I will ever be that person, but like we're just creating clothes. We're not trying to create a fashion brand, you know? We just want to create a solution to, sadly, what certain things have folded, like old Celine, rest in peace, mm -hmm. or I don't know, another alternative to other brands. Because, you know, some other brands that are doing what we're doing, it's just either very expensive or it just doesn't make sense to be spending, I don't know, $7,000 on a cotton dress. Totally. Yeah. And isn't that what fashion really is meant to be at its core? You know, something yeah. that you really, that you invest in and you want to wear and that all kinds of different women of different ages can wear. I mean, I noticed in your show you have older women, which is incredibly refreshing. They're so beautiful. Yeah. I and mean, you also had, I noticed you had Brie. Yes. This time. Brie, so Brie, Brie came as a result of me wanting to cast some friends that go to this class in New York, which you have to go to, by the way, it's called Moves. I've just found a lot of women in fashion taking part of it because you know, whether they're having issues in their personal life or just feeling depressed or having a lot of anxiety, you just go and you just move along to music and you're not, you're learning choreography, but you're just not doing it in a very set class. So I kept seeing these videos of women in this class and I was just like, I just love how liberated they are. So that's why I wanted to cast a few women from there. And I saw Brie was in that class. So I asked Brie to come in and she just sauntered down the showroom with that walk and I was like, yes, bitch. Wow. <laughs> I was like, you make that suit work. And then she didn't tell her close friends that she's going to be in the show. So they were like texting her like in a group text before the show, where are you? Like the show's about to start. Oh, and I then out that. came Brie and they're like, oh my God. So, <laughs> but that, was there yelling on the cat, cat calling? Uh, I don't know. Wolf whistling. I think people were just in shock. They were like pulling out their phones really quickly because they were just in shock to see Brie, right? It was really and a cool. few others, yeah. I, we always want the show to be very, not just inclusive, but to be representative of the women that we want to dress or that we hope to dress. And I mean, you see the same models at every single show, so it doesn't make sense to cast. You know, I mean, as much as we'd love to have like a Mika or a Lexi Bowling in our show, like I think it's more inspirational to see women that are confident and that have aged gracefully and that are just so happy with themselves and that feel good about, you know, who they are in this in the time in their life, right? Because hmm. I feel like when you see those type of women in the show, you think, I want to become that woman. Like, what is she, what's her health plan or what's, what, what diet is she on her? Because like one, one of our models, like I'm just so in awe of her and I asked her, I'm like, why do you have such great skin? And she's like, oh, this, the celery juice thing. And I was like, tell me more about it. The what? Oh. Celery juice. Oh, the celery juice. Yeah, the medical medium. So oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've tried to do that, but it's, it's hardcore. It, it's hardcore. You have to really love what you girls. only drink celery juice. You drink it straight away in the morning. First thing you do. Vanessa Hong swears by it. Yes, and so does Ami Song. Oh. She's got like every hotel making her celery juice. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's good. Like it clears out all the toxins and everything out of your body. I thought you were supposed to have hot water with lemon. That too. But, but you do the old. celery that's, juice. This first. is new. This is new research. This reminds me of my mom and my grandfather. I'm so sorry for telling people this, guys. But they used to be obsessed with the cabbage soup diet in the 90s. That oh. was the model diet, wasn't and it? And my mother, when she like put on one pound, would <laughs> would make vats and vats of cabbage soup. And she'd also it was also to make her father go on a diet. And they would eat. It's 
stunk. Oh, I can imagine. And they would eat sort of for two days on the cabbage soup and then they'd completely give up and I'd come home and they'd be eating cheese is after it like, the cabbage soup. Is it just boiled cabbage? Yeah. With, no, there's like carrots and celery. Okay. Anyway. Sorry. Celery. So, so these kinds of women who are just Yeah, because they, they come into the casting and then I always love to hear a little bit about their story and who they are as opposed to just being a model. Like some of them are tea makers or they're um, yoga instructors. It's just, these are just amazing, beautiful women that yeah. bring so much to the clothes, you know, like, and the clothes are just very simple, right? So it's just nice to see a woman just radiate. But it is so refreshing to me that you are creating for these real women. I know it sounds cheesy, but I do feel that there are a lot of celebrated designers today in right. our industry who are creating for a woman as skeletal and personality free as possible. That's the thing. It's like we have this fantasized idea of what women are yeah. and they don't always look like the models that are in the shows. Right. You know? yeah. I think I, being a street photographer, the type of women that really took my breath away are the ones that are just, it doesn't matter what size they are, it's just they have a certain confidence about them and they wear right. clothes very beautifully. In your opinion, is that why street style has become this massive thing in the past 10, 15 years? Is yeah. That the explanation. Of well, that is the explanation. Yeah, people felt that they could relate to someone as opposed to seeing, you know, a model in an ad campaign or an editorial. Like, I was just talking to a friend this morning, and she says, "Oh, you know, like when you came around and like seeing all these Russian girls, and like I saw them in." in Moscow, but then all of a sudden I started seeing them on the streets in your photos. Like it just made me feel like I could be part of this industry. So, yeah, I mean, we were so used to seeing certain people, like obviously the models and the designers, but then obviously Street Style kind of opened the door a bit and shone a spotlight on the unsung heroes of the industry, right? Oh. Which is the editors, the buyers, the stylists. Um, and then the influences and then in. the well, right, first the bloggers exactly. and now the influence do you feel like there's too much noise like there are too many influencers or does that not work? it just it doesn't feel as even i mean five years ago it, like we were still questioning how authentic is this experience but mm -hmm. now it just it's very calculated and everything yeah. involves you know everyone has to be dressed by the designer or the brand you know like mm -hmm. I mean, yes, it's a great way of marketing yeah. a product, but at the same time for people that come to the shows and want to get a real experience, it's not, a fashion show is now a full on marketing. Oh, but I, I question that. I genuinely question whether it is the best way to show a product mm. by getting everybody to wear it at the same time because it ends up it's looking lost. like a little bit of a parade. Yeah, it becomes um, diluted. And caricaturesque, I would say. Yeah. And I have obviously, sometimes fallen into the trap of wanting to please a designer that I yeah. really like. I won't name any names, but like wanting to wear something of someone that I really, really like, but somehow the outfit doesn't quite fit for that day because yeah. you can love a designer, but it needs yeah. to, you want to wear it maybe more for evening or maybe it has, a, yeah. you need the right kind of weather An or evening yeah. gown the it. kind of in the right city. And I feel like the pressure is so, so intense, intense now. It's yeah. uh, basically, it's as if you're saying F you to this designer that you love. If you don't wear head to toe, they're trying to get you to wear head to toe. Yeah and you don't do it. And I do think that it's, this is actually a good opportunity for all of us to sort of collectively say, it's got to calm down because we're getting really far away from actual personal style. And, and the show itself, which is yeah. more important. And the yeah. show itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was joking that it felt like, I, I, I shouldn't say this, but that instead of people going to see shows, it's 
everyone has a mini reality TV which goes on on their Instagram, which is not oh, I'm going YouTube to the show. Fans. It's like, I want to show you that I'm at the show and mm -hmm. this is what I'm wearing to the show. And it's no longer about showing yeah. what's going on or even going to enjoy that. It's about a meta yeah, we're version all of trying to- Yeah, star of our own little exactly. reality TV. In the future, everyone will be famous for five minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you see how social media has democratized fashion yeah. and it's turned this machine into this beast. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, can we find anything authentic or genuine that we love about this industry anymore when it's all about this amount of people being dressed or this being streamed at a certain point or the Instagram has to be curated a certain way. Everything is just very calculated. Obviously, we have, you know, it's important for people like Cammy and I to say it's not that we don't recognize how lucky we are to... Yeah be benefiting massively from social of course. media yeah um i mean we all are but it has to be tempered yeah absolutely. no it's important to have this conversation because i think when we all started using instagram it wasn't a platform for anything else but, but just to tell stories you yeah. know it was there just to share whatever you felt like it was more personal yeah and yeah. now it's a marketing tool and it's a a, a big business we're all our own businesses. Of basically. course. Yeah. Exactly. But, but it's, it's still important how you to talk it. about yeah. it because I think like, I'm sure you get asked all the time about authenticity and how is the, how has the game changed? And are you nostalgic for the good old days when street yeah. style felt fresh and, and you really were seeing how these women dressed and instead now you've yeah. got a parade of people who are being paid to wear something or Forced to paid, but it's just a whole like guilt related appreciation society where if you don't, you must not love the brand, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think we all shamelessly admit we're all products of it, and, of course. and we voluntarily partake in it, but then we obviously want to be more conscious about the decisions we make about, you know, how much is too much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. People always want to know on Fashion No Filter how big names in the industry like you actually got to wear. It's like the how I made it section. <laughs> so you're from Toronto, like me. I'm from Oakville, Ontario. I'm oh, sorry. Where sorry. are you from specifically? No, I'm from downtown Toronto. Oh, you're from, oh, you're a downtown. I'm a downtown girl. Okay. Um, you're from Oakville, the suburbs, Ontario, yeah. which is <clears throat> the chic suburbs. <laughs> um, I'm on the, the cusp of, Oakville, Mississauga. So I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm not in the fancy. So you're from you're from yeah. Yeah. The down to earth Oakville. <laughs> yeah, <I guess> so. <laughs> How did you go from being a young fellow in Oakville to an internationally renowned photographer? Huh. <laughs> uh, it wasn't something I set out to do. You know, like what it was is just I really wanted to work in fashion. So. There was a lot of strategy involved since I knew I wanted to work in fashion, which is I want to be a designer, so I should intern for a designer. And that didn't work out, so I wanted to be a buyer. So then I should work in retail. And then I realized being a buyer was too much work, so then I thought, why not start a lifestyle website? So then it's just been kind of calculated choices. So when this lifestyle website came about, which is Jack and Jill, rest in peace. Oh, my, oh of course! <laughs> yeah, I sold the name, by the way, sorry. Oh, That's why I shamelessly admit that, yes, I do partake in things. Um, oh, but I built a brand that someone wanted to buy into, so I sold the rights to it. Jack and Jill. Yeah, so Jack and Jill was the original website. I'm sorry for saying that you're, I first saw your work on style.com when I clearly first saw it on Jack and Jill. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I remember, didn't you shoot Tara Vesav on there? Yes, I did. Another Toronto lady. <laughs> Shout out. 
Um, I didn't know you know Tara. Yeah. Oh, okay. Everyone, I, but everyone in Canada knows each yeah. other. Um, yeah, so when I launched that website, I had this idea of creating like this lifestyle magazine in Toronto and then shooting people on the street. Yeah. And then I got really bored. So then I had this... Because <laughs> there's not... <laughs> there's not that many. There weren't many options at the time. No. So I dreamt big and looking at Japanese street style magazines and Scott's work on mm -hmm. Style.com, I thought I should go to London and Paris. So my boss at the time, um, Linda Latner, she was this woman I worked for, she, this website called Vinci Couture. So I was working mm -hmm. on an e-commerce site at the same time. She let me go to London Paris as a bonus, so I went to see what it was like, just to test the waters. And like, you went with her as a buyer? No, no, she sent me. Oh, she sent you? Yeah, yeah, she, as, just as a bonus. She's like, oh, you know, like I see that you really want to pursue this. So she really had faith in you? Yeah, she had, well, she was just like a fairy godmother to me. Yeah. I mean, God, good goes to show also when you ask for things and you tell people what you really want, they yeah. can sometimes help. Yeah, and sometimes being honest with people about your ambitions is... It's like, I think that people, yeah, I, I, we'll get back exactly to what you were saying, yeah. but I do think that young people sometimes want to seem cool and are therefore scared to admit the extent of their ambition. Yeah. And I always like to think that the one place where you really shouldn't try and seem cool is your career. Like it's someone, actually Maya Singer, who was an oh. old style conversation yeah, yeah. as well, once said to me when I was like 21, Monica, it's not the it's not embarrassing. Like the one thing you can be not cool about is your career. <laughs> and it was really good advice. Yeah. Anyway, so you told Linda Latner. I told Linda Latner, who lives on Warren Road. I don't know if you know. Uh, I think I know her son. Is her son named Joseph Latner? <laughs> no, that's her nephew. Oh, okay. he's a friend of my sister's. Oh, there you go. Toronto is hilarious. Camille's like, what is going on here? Camille's <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, I wanted to Canadians have this moment sometimes when we're like, oh my God, you know so-and-so, and you know so-and-so. If it weren't for her, I wouldn't have gone to Paris and London. And, I mean, I'd gone before, but just to go during Fashion Week and have the opportunity to basically stand outside of shows and just watch people. Yeah. And that just lit a fire under me and just realized I have to go every season after that. So it took two years to actually get things going because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just super shy and just, I would stop people, but I was just like, this doesn't feel right. These aren't the photos that I want to take. So eventually I just said, I just said to myself, fuck it, let's just take the photos. And then I just took it. Cause at the time there wasn't, there, there wasn't like dozens of photographers. Like I, yeah. I could just quietly stand on the side and just photograph someone walking into a show. And, and, and you were very much not making a thing of yourself. I wasn't chasing after people. I no. was just quietly clicking away. And they really do that today. Yeah. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that style. And it, you just get a really different kind of photo. When I had to, like, I'll be outside shooting first, but then I have to go into a show yeah. and get through that horde of people. And I don't even like to make eye contact with people. So I can't imagine what it's like where you guys are just trying to get into a show and not have to deal with all that yeah. clutter or insanity and you and people are just like stop 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 but no but it's a mixed bag of feelings because on the one hand you know that that's kind of also what the designers and the prs are expecting because yeah. now that it's become such a big machine as you mm -hmm. said people know how it works and the reason they're wearing yeah. the design is because they want to get a picture so yeah. it's the it's this thing of like i don't want to be late at the same time it's a bit overwhelming but ooh, if they don't take my picture does that mean i'm not cool anymore yeah. and so it's all these weird things happening it also is like if they don't take my picture i might not be invited next year but the thing is, you don't even know who's... <laughs> yeah. True that. No, they'll still invite you. But the thing is, it's like, you don't even know where these pictures are going. So that's the crazy thing. But that's what I find more 
more challenging now is that we used to know where these pictures were mm-hmm. going. We'd have these Bibles. There would be the style.com and then yeah. there would be Phil shooting for, for Vogue, Vogue and there would be different, like Scott for the tutorialist. Yeah. And you used, to, you used to go onto the sites and, yeah. and look for yourself and yeah. really hope. I mean, and I don't think it was super narcissistic. It was more, oh, I really hope that I, he thought that I was cool enough. Mm-hmm. And often it wasn't. You were not there for days and days and then suddenly you'd find yourself someone it was great now yeah. it's really different because so many photographers so many places and, I, and as you just said we don't really know where these pictures are going yeah and they feel like they own you because yeah. you have voluntarily gone to a show to be photographed so they assume that they have every right to profit off of you and you don't have the right to those images to repost yourself there's a brand called by far whose mm-hmm. instagram account was hijacked by paparazzis because they were reposting pictures of Gigi and Kendall wearing their products mm-hmm. um, in stories because everybody, you know, it's like it's like the screen grab culture. We're so used to being on our phones and reading and things. And lots of, almost every brand does this. Almost every person does this. If yeah. you see a picture that you like yeah. on the internet of anything, an, a work of art or someone else's picture, mm-hmm. a, a quote, I don't know, you screen grab it and you send yeah. it to someone or you post it because we've just become so used to sharing what we call content mm-hmm. that we don't think about who made it, how, does this p- picture belong to someone, etc., etc. which yeah. intellectual property is obviously very interesting because that's also how people make money. And often a, a, a photo takes a lot of time to put together and to edit, etc. And we yeah. know that that's part of what you do as, as a job. And so in this case, um, the photographers got upset that uh, brands were using their images for what they called commercial purposes. Yeah. Obviously, the, the point of That's the image is to sell. make other mates yeah. sell. So they've hijacked the account and they no longer have an Instagram account because and they're demanding, wow. they're like demanding yeah, They're demanding a ransom. Oh my God. Yeah, and, and obviously Instagram doesn't wow. want to get involved because this must be happening quite a lot. But isn't that fascinating mm-hmm. that there are little wars being waged on Instagram over wow. intellectual property of images? I think that's fascinating. Yeah, it is. That's crazy. I mean, there's going to have to be regulations put in place because obviously, yeah. like, this is the way that the world now works. And I don't see that changing. Do you yeah. think that Instagram is going to slow down in any way? What? What? No. Because no. I think it's completely changed not just fashion, but the world itself and how we go about it in our daily lives. Like, the amount of narcissism that it you know we're surrounded by like when i walk into work every day just through soho just seeing everyone taking photos of themselves on the street corner Mm -hmm. or like this is my outfit for the day or like here's me having this lunch today it's like everything has to be documented so like that's the life that we're living through is through a lens basically that we always feel like we have to be on display on show yeah Uh, and and i just think please get a life and also myself but, get elected. But that's, oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because it used to be that we relied on people like you to pick and choose who you felt you felt like highlighting. And it was sometimes one mm. person, sometimes another. And now we all lens ourselves yeah. and we all use Instagram. And, and that, I think this goes for most people. Yeah. I, not, not absolutely everybody, but most people I know will post pictures of themselves on their Instagram, whether they are in fashion or not. And... And... Therefore, everyone is kind of showing their street style, but on their own Instagram mm-hmm. accounts. Th- th- that, that, I think, is what's made the game change the most. It's funny how it's no longer just about going to show. It's like even people who claim that they don't care about being street style, they'll still search the images of them being tagged and then they'll post them. So this whole like game of like, oh, I don't really care what I look like. I'm just going to the show. I'm like, no, no, you care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, if you didn't care, you'd be dressed like, like all these exactly. serious journalists. Yeah. Yeah, they can too. They care. But 
But we, we don't talk enough about how important clothes are and how they make us feel and, mm -hmm. and wearing a good outfit, how important that is yeah. for, for humans as a, as a culture, as a whole. And I, 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 yes, fashion with a capital F is important, but mm -hmm. also clothes, you know, on a more individual level, like putting together a great outfit and, you know, walking out the door and feeling like, oh, I look kick-ass today, cool. <laughs> and you're going to have a better day yeah. than if you're wearing a shit outfit. Yeah. And it's important to, to remember that, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, you're allowed to care. You're allowed to care that you look good, not be made to feel guilty, but it's not only narcissism. Yeah. True. But I just, it kind of gets under my skin when it's just taken to another degree. Agreed. Where it's Absolutely. like, how many photos of yourself do you need to repost? Uh. Yeah. That's why I give some slack to some of my friends. I'm like, really? The, do you think the world cares what you're going to wear to Chloe? You're a man. Yeah. <laughs> Which city inspires you the most? Because if you're still on the streets, it's that there's, the magic is still there. I, I think still Paris for sure. Paris. But there's elements of every city that I still love. Like I still love Milan. I know people feel a certain way about Milan, but I feel like, and I know you're French, but <laughs> I just feel like Italian men and women, like they grow up with fashion to a certain degree where they take a lot of pride in dressing a certain way. Like it's yeah. a little bit more polished, whereas I think... In France, it's a bit more... No, no, in France, you have to not care. You have yeah. to look like yeah, you didn't try her. Yeah, exactly. Monica always explains it quite well. Like she always says to me, in France, like everybody knows that fashion is part of the culture. So mm -hmm. it, it, yeah. it, it's there and you respect it and you mm -hmm. love it, but you don't wear it. Yeah. yeah. You, you watch it as a kind of work of art mm -hmm. to be admired, but you yourself should, could not be caught dead in any of that because you have to be effortless and cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, wear your jeans and your boots. And mm -hmm. I just think that in France, in Paris, people are just constantly trying really hard to look like they didn't try really hard. Yeah. And like, and anybody pretending otherwise is not true. And I am totally one of these people. <laughs> um, but it's the, it's the look. Like I would never, I admire, you know, the, let's, let's talk about friends. I think that like Georgia and Gilda mm -hmm. look so good. They look perfect. But they're like, they're but a little bit more eccentric. Yeah, well, it's a different style. Yeah, it's a bit more eccentric. Yeah. It's more eccentric. It's Italian. Yeah, it's Italian. They're like the typical, stunning, ultra chic Milanese. Yeah. But they do it just right because I feel no, like they're not too much at all. Because it's very polished, as you said, mm -hmm. and it's it, often it's also quite trendy and, and, and they're wearing very strong pieces, but somehow they always look like themselves yeah. yeah, and they have a very personal point of view that they get across. You don't feel like when you see them that you're looking at an ad for a brand in particular. They always just feel very individual. Are there any other women that you recently, or men, are obsessed with? Yes. Obsessed with? Even in terms of your collection or just in terms of photography? Uh, well, one of the women that we actually have in the show, her name is Grace Gangnam, she's like an older woman with a, a bob. She's actually from Montreal. Is she? Yeah, so she was, uh, I don't know if she was a yoga instructor. She was probably a yoga instructor before, and now she's having like this influencer moment at age 54 or something. Oh, probably. amazing. Yeah, so she's actually really chic. She wears Celine and Bottega very well. <laughs> <laughs> the fashion Ooh. tribes. Yeah. Um, who else do I love? I mean, there's always women. I mean, there's certain models too that I enjoy just because sometimes like obviously they have all the resources to wear whatever clothes they want to wear but they still look amazing and just something very simple so like sarah blomquist do you know that one yeah with her, with her new haircut great. yeah she looks great yeah. um 
I don't know. Who else am I obsessed with? What's your advice to, I can't resist asking this, you know, if there's young showgoers who want to know what they'd have to wear to get spotted by Tommy Tom? Oh my God. I haven't asked this question. I always say, wear your own clothes. I always find that. um, Wear your own clothes. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) No, but also I love when someone, if they really know their fashion really well and they actually treasure what they've bought, like pull out the Balenciaga from 2002 or a helmet light piece. Like that to me shows me that you love fashion and that you, you bought something from way back or you actually hunted it down and you still find a lot of joy in wearing it. Yes. And I think that's how clothes should be. Little I. That's why I can't relate to this whole rent the runway thing, which I think is amazing for certain parts of the, of the U.S. Have you heard about this? I have heard. Yes. Yeah, but in, like it makes sense for a mom in Connecticut or mm-hmm. or wherever Chicago, whereas us, you know, because we love fashion, like we want to buy to invest, right? Yeah. So, um, where was I going with this? <laughs> it doesn't look right. So you're saying yeah. a, a borrowed piece doesn't yeah so like it's true it it makes sense for certain people like i understand where if you have a lifestyle where you don't have time to you know invest into fashion like you just want nice clothes i get it but and but then if you're borrowing clothes for the sake of just to being photographed and that doesn't make sense to me no because it's not always about surface value there we go yeah Mm. yeah interesting do you notice that there are tribes street style tribes yeah, we wanted to go David Attenborough on you yeah. <laughs> and say, as the girls are exiting show back into the wilderness of the streets. Yeah. Do you know, because I feel like there are different kinds of showgoers. Yeah, yeah. No, I've always actually treated, I've always talked about street style like it's as if we're in nature. Huh. Like just to see these really tall gazelle like bodies and like stilettos like tiptoeing on the cobblestones. That was way back then. Obviously, sneakers have become a thing, so yeah. there's more comfort in there, but. Um, there are tribes that yeah, for sure like there's the marnie tribe there's the rick owens tribe there's the tom brown tribe there's the common Garçon tribe which is like way out there and then there's like the centrists whether it's like caroline Serf or giovanna or um catherine baba just like women that are just wild birds of paradise you know yeah so like when the time comes obviously i'm working on my book you'll see how things will be explained visually and when's the book out i don't know i want to know <laughs> no it's because i <laughs> I was working on it and then, you know, certain things came up and I was just like, oh, damn it. You know, like, do I put this on hold or do I go forward with this? And obviously Deville made a lot of sense to me, mm-hmm. but um, this year marks 12 years and I think the book will represent 12 years of work. Amazing. Yeah. So well, that's we- why it's, it's important for me to go to like certain shows because you want to document these tribes. Kami and I were at a dinner the other night mm-hmm. for a friend, a Laundry Friends collection. and. I kind of looked around and realized that everyone there was in the beige girl tribe. Oh. Like the neutrals. Oh, tribe. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm definitely in. I, don't you think that we're kind of in that tribe? Kind of, yeah. But well, I mean, but you guys, but you guys were actually, you guys have been around longer than that group yeah, came thanks. together. Yeah. No, but it's, it's nice. <gasps> but they're amazing. That, they're very cheap. It's nice that there's this community amongst all of you like it's not competitive no you know no it's not i don't think no. i think there's room for everyone of course that's also the point of fashion is every it's so personal mm-hmm. yeah. and i think that's what it is there's there is room for everyone what we have been around why were we there so young i was there because i was working for joseph 
I yes, was, that's I was with why. The buyers. Yeah, I remember no, that. No, I was there just because I wanted to enter the fashion industry. And you I was, I was, I was a true wannabe. I was a real one of those girls who didn't really know how to get in the industry. Didn't have any, any relation, any friends, family yeah. who worked in fashion. And I moved to London, and I'd just come out of a job in finance, and I was in between jobs. And I, I remember someone told me London Fashion Week is happening. You should go and try and see a show. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'm good at talking my way into clubs. So surely I can talk my <laughs> way into a fashion show. <laughs> and I showed up, and I remember exactly what I was wearing. I was wearing some wide H and M baggy trousers and a white leather Zara jacket and a white T-shirt. Which show was And this? some white. Remember, I think I know where it was because remember at London Fashion Week at the time it was at Somerset yeah. House. Yeah, all shows happened in the same location, so you yeah. just had to show up around there. Mm -hmm. And the show I was going to uh, was a young designer. I don't think I even remember the name. It, it was someone who has since folded his label yeah. and who was given a show space. Um, and I walked in just thinking, just you know, I was going to go in, and Adam of the Vingt-Unième, Adam mm -hmm. Katzending, stopped me and said, "Can I take your picture?" And I was like, mm, okay. I didn't know that that's, that, I didn't know back then that that yeah, was a yeah. thing. And he took my picture and then we started talking and that's how things happen. And then he's like, see you tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll come again tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. And so, and then the next day my picture went up on Vogue.com and someone sent me a picture, uh, uh, sent me a message saying, your picture has just gone up on this we website. On oh, no, oh, yeah. I can't remember what he was shooting for, but w. anyway, and that's how it happened. And w. 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 Yeah, yeah. Magazine, w. Exactly. Okay. I should remember that. And um, it was, um, I didn't go thinking, oh, I'm, I want my picture to be taken. That was a bonus, you know. Yeah. I, I, back then I had a blog that I was, I would put up content every day. So I used that over picture and told a story. Wait, did you have a blog? Yeah, Cami Over the Rainbow. That's what I thought, yeah. <laughs> and um, that's still up? Actually, I shouldn't say I this. think it's still up. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I should probably take it down. There's a lot of questionable <laughs> fashion choices. I used to like spend no, a lot of time. No, I don't think you ever had questionable fashion choices. Oh, thanks. You've Sorry. actually, she's been very consistent, right? Oh, yeah. thank you. Tommy, I think that you are really not only filling a gap of, if you'll allow me, that was left <laughs> behind by the philophiles of the world. Oh, when thank you. Phoebe Philo left so I mean, I'm really very sad about that, that too. So. But, yeah, well, I mean, it was a hard moment for all of us. Um, but I also think that you've created something kind of new in terms of the layering capabilities mm. of this collection. You guys have created something kind of new. Thank you. Can you just talk about that a little bit because I'm really into it and I think it's very functional and fashionable. <laughs> I remember I tried on, last time I was in the showroom, you had me try oh, the on caftan. the most, the amazing yeah. multi-layered caftan. It's just, I don't know, like there's this sense of security that I love that clothes bring and they, they blanket you in a way and they just make you feel really good about yourself, whether it's, you know, a, a satin caftan or a really nubbly boucle coat, you know, like, I think it's just nice to respect the fabric and not to get carried away with it. Because, you know, when you walk into a boutique, you look at something because it's beautifully made and we want to make sure that we respect that. So mm. I think that's why we just try to make clothes that will sit well with other brands and not just be a full head to toe look. So you don't want us to wear the uh, straight off the runway? I mean, you can, but I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's really an honor when your clothes can be worn with other brands yeah. and that it just seamlessly goes together and it doesn't stand out that it oh, looks... How reasonable. What a reasonable thing to say. It's very Canadian of you. Yes. <laughs> Both of you. We're, real, we're diplomats through and through. I guess so, yeah.
Guys, I think we have to wrap it up. Yeah, you've got all of these buyers and journalists coming in to check out your... Yeah. And we probably want to take a peek too. Yeah. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? No. Oh, I thought you did. Okay, sorry. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us. Thank yes, you. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for your time. Merci and we'll see you on the streets. Yeah, we'll... <laughs> Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> In an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Thank you so much to Tommy Ton for sitting down with us today. That was a really, really honest and interesting discussion about street style, where it's headed, how it's changed, and why he really was the perfect person to launch a ready to wear label. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning in to Fashion No Filter again. We also have noticed that a lot more of you have been rating us on the Apple Store. Thank you so much. It makes a huge difference and allows people to find us. So do rate, review and subscribe. We also have our Instagram account at Fashion No Filter where you can follow us, DM us, ask us questions, suggest uh, guests or any other topics that you wish us to discuss. Have a lovely week and see you very soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.